Upsflyer presents Winning in the Nordics with Anneli Nash. Welcome to Winning in the Nordics. I'm your host, Anneli Nash, and I'll meet some of the most interesting marketers, investors, and app developers across the region to learn from their success stories. I'm the founder of AIM4, your partner for digital marketing and growth, and this podcast is a collaboration with Appsflyer. Appsflyer provides mobile marketers with the technology they need to grow their apps and create exceptional user experiences. I'm here with Donna Hanafi, Chief Product and Engagement Officer at Lassie and has been working with growth and products for over a decade. Additionally, Donna has served as board member for several companies and she's also an angel investor. And uh, what is Lassie then? Lassie is a digital and preventative pet care insurance company that lets uh, dog and cat owners follow their pets development and receive information on how to take care of them. And this is done through gamification. So welcome, Donna. Thank you. So happy to be here. Great. Do you want to tell me a little bit more about what you do at Lassie? So what I do with Lassie is that I oversee product and engagement, meaning like the customers and how to make them happy uh, and what we need to do in that sense. So what we do at Lasse, uh, except for being uh, pet insurance, is that we also want to help uh, pet parents take care of their dogs or cats. Uh, and with that, we also reward them for taking care of them. We see that as the security in making sure that the pets stay healthier and live longer. Yeah, that's so interesting because you're you're doing insurance quite differently than other companies do. And you're really kind of disrupting how the traditional insurance companies uh, have done stuff. Like why? And tell me a little bit more about that. Well, um, since I've been in the startup world for quite a while, uh, one thing that I find boring is that you just like digitalize things that has been around before instead of disrupting it and doing it differently and better. And what we do is we have an app, uh, but the reason for why we have an app is not only for the sake of it or is the fact that we can make uh, claims handle uh, more efficient and faster for faster payouts and the fact that we want to be there not only uh, when an injury occurs, we want to be there to prevent the injuries and we want to help pet parents to prevent the injuries. And with Corona and COVID, we've seen that like pet parents has, uh, people have gotten pets uh, a lot more and there's many that are new and like first time pet parents. And we also want to help them because there's a lot of information to take from, uh, from space slash Google. Uh, and there's a lot to know, but we can help you in the right timing to give you the right information i for example used to have a cat and i had no idea that you should like uh, brush their teeth quite often uh, and it's a big problem with people not brushing their teeth and they get um, sicknesses for it i had no idea but those kind of things we want to help with a with a way that's not like penalizing you for it but rewarding you for actually trying yeah i think this is i mean if, if we talk about it uh, overall not just pets but like health in general it seems like we're always working when something bad already happened like there is uh, no incentive in working with uh, proactive care except for like okay so people sell gym memberships so you might be a little bit healthier when it comes to like uh, becoming more uh, physically fit but in in this case you're uh, you're actually doing good as part of your business model. Yeah, exactly. And with that, we can also reward our pet parents with lower insurance costs, which is 
like for any insurance i don't understand why this is not like standard because everyone wants uh, everyone benefits from having less injuries so how can we help everyone be uh, healthier and happier i saw a lot in this happening like in the human health sector uh, that was where i was looking in the beginning and then i met hedda uh, who is the ceo and co-founder and i was so amazed of how like no one has thought about this for pets why not? And I was so amazed of how she was so passionate about this and couldn't keep my hands away. Uh, so <laughs> That's I amazing. Joined. That is very passionate. Yeah. Uh, but can, can you talk a bit about like how the business model actually work? Because like some of me want to think that, you know, if you actually help uh, pet owners uh, reduce um, their uh, fees, uh, you will earn less money. But uh, actually, because we talked a bit about this before, you earn more money. So tell me a little bit about that logic and how you actually argue for lowering fees yeah well if they don't have uh, if they don't have injuries obviously it won't uh, we won't have to pay out a lot for for injuries but the thing is also with the pet insurance is that the pet owner uh, has like a fixed deductible and a variable deductible so that the pet parents if they have an injury they have to pay uh, quite a lot actually especially here in Sweden at least uh, for going to the vet so it not only benefits like Uh, us in our business model that we have less injuries and stuff like that but it also um, helps keep the pet healthier keep uh, keep the pet parents uh, they don't have to pay the money for it because it's like 15 or 25 percent uh, that deductible is and that's quite a lot if you have um if you go to the vet then you have a cost of like five thousand euros for example which is not like super rare paying 15 or 25 percent of that is quite a lot uh, and in sweden it's an unregulated market also so the vet prices are continuously increasing so with that also keeping less injuries um or trying to keep less injuries and uh, pets uh, healthier we can also help by not getting the vet prices up so there's a lot of things that we help uh, except not just our business model it's the pet parents it's pets it's also the prices if you actually need to go to a vet because there's a lot of like unnecessary uh, visits there and then the increases uh, the price increase quite a lot yeah i also heard that there is some consolidation happening in the market or maybe it's um, the veterinarians that they are changing the owners so basically vc firm and investors are going in and buying them which is also kind of affecting the prices especially due to the fact that the market is unregulated i don't know if it's especially because of that but uh, yes it's true some private equity firms have bought uh, quite big like pet hospitals and uh, they hold quite advanced equipment hence it's more expensive yeah it's more expensive to go there to the biggest ones mm. because they have you can operate for like a tumor or more advanced stuff besides like your next door vet that can help you with like smaller stuff mm. if you have more advanced equipment you need to pay more to actually like maintain it also yeah okay so it's really not only the Uh, the fact that they want to drive revenue, it's also that they are providing new care that wasn't possible before. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So insurance is one step, but uh, there are more ways of keeping pet uh, 
healthy. What are your future plans? Uh, so our future plans is right now launching in Germany. And we have some exciting things in the app uh, with like more personalization and making sure that, for example, you, you change behavior of how you take care of your pet on a daily basis. But besides that, we are looking forward a lot to Germany uh, and we have a lot of new products coming out uh, this year. Uh, stay tuned for that. <laughs> Cliffhanger. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit, a teaser? Uh, yeah, I can tell you that... Uh, Pet insurance is our first product and we want to become a one-stop shop for pet health. That I can say. Ooh, okay. I get I get some ideas. I'm sure the listeners will uh, do too. Um, one particularly interesting thing about what you do and especially like that uh, you're trying to be part of the pet's life is uh, you mentioned that a person uh, only uses a certain amount of apps in their phone and you want to be one of them. Like how are you working with that? Uh be relevant. Uh, I think that's one of the hardest things. Uh, everyone that has a f- smartphone knows that you have about like a hundred or more apps and you get notifications all the time. But it's all about relevance and understanding who's in front of you and what do they need and be relevant with the information and not only send push notification for for the sake of it or email for the sake of it, but understanding the actual user. Uh, so I'm not a fan of like newsletters. I really like like trigger based actions. Like what what have you done instead of looking at okay, I'm female, I'm this age, I have a family, blah 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 blah. Looking at what am I actually doing? Uh, I think it's uh, the product innovation um, officer at Netflix that said uh, it can be. 70-year-old woman uh, watching Hellboy and it can be like a 25-year-old man looking at saying yes to the dress. Look at what they're doing and not who they are. Uh, That's one thing I really uh, try to look at. Like, how can you be relevant? Don't just look at like who I am. Look at what I'm doing. Yeah, that, that's very interesting. Can you talk a bit about like in within the app how you have categorized that type of the behavior? Because I, I'm based on just guessing now, I would assume that there are some more worried pet parents and there are some less worried and there are some that are, you know, spending a lot of time within the app and some that uh, should really need to spend a bit more time in the app. Like, can you tell me about some of the trigger based uh, user groups? That you have? So uh, we've only been live since July 2021, so not even a year yet. But uh, one thing that we see is, for example, we have like a puppy and a a kitten guide. So in the beginning of when, when you get your new puppy or kitten, you are usually very active. And we try to give you knowledge in that phase depending on the different weeks it's like a pregnancy slash like a child uh, app uh, and i myself uh, gave birth uh, to a boy like two years ago in may uh, and saw like really interesting um, uh, things with how like uh, pets uh, are the same and go through the same phases and we're looking at like that uh, as well to help them with how uh, giving the right information at the right time and also our courses will give you points depending on how preventive uh, this course is so if it's if it's something that our vets has categorized this this is very this will help quite a lot then you get more points for it so that's also something that we try to categorize and uh, we also categorize on what your breed is uh, the species and the age and we're also looking into like 
when we have more uh, claims data, we're looking at how can we actually prevent that even more when we get more and more data and be smarter. Uh, interesting. I mean, I really like the fact that you're doing it or comparing it to the pregnancy because I, I heard a lot about that. I don't have kids yet myself, but um, we were actually talking to PregLife uh, in this pod. So I kind of caught up a bit on how they are working. But uh, since it's uh, different for different animals and that different things are more important, how do you ensure that people actually change behavior and not just learn that they should change behavior? Uh, so what we do is like simple right now. Uh, and that is uh, that we uh, give them points for it for the courses and see that they have knowledge for it. So the courses are videos or articles and then there's a quiz afterwards so that we check their knowledge um, and uh, that they understand it. And then what we will do like since we haven't been live for that long, uh, we can't see uh, Or rather, we can say that it's statistically proven yet that the people that have more points get less claims. But that's something that we want in the future. Like a dream scenario um, of mine is that I really want to see that people that do this get uh, uh, less injuries and understand more of how to take care of their Uh, pets but we also have like challenges uh, where you can try to change behavior in terms of like how you how often you brush your cat's teeth or for example if you vaccinated your dog then you can upload that so those kind of things and also like if you're worried one thing that I find super good is uh, our collaboration with first vet so that if you're worried you have the opportunity to call a vet and you don't need to go to the vet uh, and that's also something that's you're used to in the human health world but not in the pet health world but it's coming like now and it's come the uh, past years that it's like telemedicine for for pets because parents are worried more worried now than we were like before because we know more i guess yeah i can i can imagine that you're like uh, the the dog is coughing or something and you want to call someone up and and check what is wrong but that is also a bit disruptive because that is included right you can call first but how many times you want yes And we also in our app have a symptom checker so that we can help you with if you feel, for example, my dog is coughing or my dog is puking or whatever. You do like a decision tree uh, where you can try out like, okay, this is what my dog is feeling. And then you get like, okay, read this article because it's not that it's not uh, an emergency or try calling first vet and um, ask them first what they think or this is an emergency go to the vet Mm. so you get help with that and we also get a lot of questions in our chat uh, because we have the best opening hours uh, in the market about how we can help them and we try to help our parents as much as possible with guidance in that so do you help even those that aren't insured with you if they contact you Yeah, that's really nice. I actually read that, um, I think it was uh, Sappos when they, um, I don't know if they still do it today, but it was like part of their strategy that whoever chatted in, it didn't matter um, what their question was really. I, I guess I hope it was like related to shoes somehow, mm-hmm. um, but that they, the um, customer representatives should help them anyway. So there was this story about like a woman who wanted some shoes, I think, that weren't in their store. So the sales rep went all off and searched the whole internet for those shoes and just helped her buy them so that the customer service was like 
extraordinary and that meant of course that she went and talked to everybody about it and eventually they got a lot of customers that way so is that happening to you as well yeah uh, and i think that's one of the most important things like uh, we're in a digital age but the human touch is super important still and what we also see is like insurance companies actually recommend us to customers really? uh, which is super weird but it's uh, super good uh, i'm so surprised but customers actually reach out and yeah This company, uh, they recommended that I insure my uh, dog with you, like their customer representatives, which is super weird. But uh, (laughs) that's amazing. It's (laughs) so awesome. But yeah, one of the things that we actually, what I love with our like customer success team is that we, uh, and with Intercom, the best tool out there ever uh, for that, is that we can measure like how the interactions with the customers and if we chat with them are. And we have a, like, they should always, depending on, doesn't matter if they're customers, we look at them equally and uh, leave with a good taste in um, afterward and a good feeling uh, of what the, the actual like meeting was. Even if they want to leave us, they should feel afterwards that this was very smooth. That's really nice. Yeah, I I was actually, um, I'm going to do a boot camp and I needed to pass my gym membership because I'm going to be at another gym. And uh, I realized that there was no way to pass it, even though I was, uh, I didn't have a like uh, fixed subscription for 12 months or something like that. It was just month to month. Uh, But then I found that in the cancellation uh, flow, then they had the pass uh, solution. But that got me so pissed off that I couldn't find it before I went into that flow. So I think that also... Um, matters a lot that you need flexibility and when you want uh, things to be uh, nice and kind throughout the experience yeah and that's really what we want to be we want to be kind that's one of our like uh, values that we want to be kind and it's it's the small things but it really matters yeah. like those small things can say like have a customer you may return to them but you won't recommend them like it's those kind of things that actually makes the difference so you need to think about smaller things even though it's like not prioritized this is what makes uh, people recommend you or not yeah and now we're really touching on on another topic which is trust Uh, and trust is not very first of all it's it's hard to get um, the users to share the data with you because you're afraid that i wouldn't say for you guys but like in general they the users might be afraid that you will uh, misuse it and uh, trust is essential like how do you work with that uh, yeah, we worked quite a lot with that since we're like insurance, it needs to be like high trusted. So being a newbie in the town is not always that easy. But one thing that was to our advantage was the fact that no one else worked with trust. Like the big guys didn't really do it. And we worked quite a lot with that from the get go uh, and getting customers to to uh, review us and making sure that they had a great experience was key to our growth. And with that also is that every like every time someone is negative or had a bad experience, we follow up. I mean, I follow up. <laughs> uh, it's super important uh, because one of the things is also like 90% of those that have a negative experience, they won't tell you. And those that do, you have an opportunity there to learn and to change. And with that said, like one of the things with insurance companies is the fact that the, the customer won't review you until you've had a claim. 
because then they know if you will answer or not and all that stuff. But with our app, we've been able to like show people that we are available. We've been able to show people uh, more value than just when an injury occur. So it's been easier for us to get our users to feel that there is something there in the earlier stage uh, of their journey with us. So do you do any difference in how you collect the data depending on like if it's someone then earlier in the journey versus someone after they've had a claim? Uh, Yes, you will claim differently. Um, You will review our app differently uh, depending on that. Uh, Because maybe if you've had a claim, then you want to talk about uh, about that. And if you haven't, then you want to talk about the app, for example. Mm. Uh, But one of the things that we've been very, like looking at those that have uh, high reviews, uh, very, very high reviews uh, that I've been, pissed off at because trust is an uh, important thing uh, right and then um, we've seen that some only make uh, the customers review when they've had a good experience whilst we uh, tell everyone uh, to review uh, instead because that's when you can get the real uh, both the real lessons but also like the trust because Sooner or later, customers will figure out why you have like 4.9 or 5 in, in stars, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. I read somewhere, this was a long time ago, so the statistics might have changed, but that a bad review is actually better for conversion than uh, only having good reviews because it actually means that you collect all reviews, basically. Yeah. So I, I don't know if if it's the case if you only had one bad but i think this was in the context of e-commerce when you have like different uh, products and stuff yeah and that one bad review would actually increase conversion compared to no reviews yeah uh definitely because like no one is perfect and it's also like if you only have five stars what's wrong here uh <laughs> <laughs> it's too good to be true <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and especially if it's you're if you're in the beginning of the journey i think it's important to have like a few bad ones to understand that this is this, this is real this is legit yeah yeah have you done any tests on that like uh, uh, the co- correlation between your review score compared to the signups on the website or something like that yeah so uh, we tested that i can't tell you like the exact conversion rate but uh, we tested that uh, with an a b test easily on our website and like how conversion went up before and we can also see the people that go into trustpilot and view our uh, reviews and how that affects our conversion interesting have you always had trustpilot or or were you ever on some other tool or something? Uh, we've always had Trustpilot, but we had a bit of a scattered, or I uh, had a bit of a scattered strategy in the beginning of trying to understand, okay, where should we put this? But then we, one thing that's good with Trustpilot is that they had they had a collaboration with Google, so you can get if you get. Uh, X amount of reviews there, it will show on your Google Ads. Mm, nice. Okay, so uh, what you mean with scattered meant where you were collecting yeah, reviews where? everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but that is actually uh, interesting. So, so basically, now then you do everything in in Trustpilot, and then you use that for other channels because exactly does that work with Facebook and uh, exactly? Uh, okay, interesting. Noting for myself, mm-hmm. listeners, you do too. Okay, so uh, where is your focus now? Like uh, on acquisition or retention or what's going on there? Uh, since we've grown quite a lot uh, and we had a like super successful launch, right now it's more on uh, retention and activation. And as you said, like getting people to actually change behavior, that's our focus. That's 
that's a hard uh, thing to do. So currently that's what we're trying to focus on of how can we actually get people to to understand what they're doing in the app and uh, the value of it and how it can affect them uh, and collect points basically. Mm, nice. I actually read somewhere that when you launched you started off with the Subway commercial. And not exactly when we launched but okay. uh, quite uh, like it was uh, a few months after. Uh, we started quite early with, uh, with that and it worked quite good for the branding for us branding of course i would understand but did it also give conversions yes interesting isn't that a quite a bold move in the beginning we thought it was a bold move but now we think it was the right move yeah. uh, and talking about trust also uh, those kind of things made us seem that we were bigger than we actually were Yeah. Uh, so in terms of that, it also worked out quite good. Just so the kind of listeners understand, can we give us a hint of, of something? It doesn't have to be exact numbers, but how many users did you have by the point that you started advertising on the subway? Hmm. I can't remember exactly. Was it below a thousand maybe? That's amazing. Yeah, it was very early uh, and we were... Uh, it was a hard decision uh, to try it out, but it worked quite well. Can, can you share a little bit more of this? Because I, I can really understand that it's a hard decision, but I was I was amazed by by that because I think it makes so much sense that it would work for you guys. Like when you read it and and uh, when I see what you have done with your journey, but I don't think I've heard anyone doing that before. So can you tell me a, a little bit how the discussions went and and how you decided to do it? I mean, now we know it was a good move, but I I'm sure you didn't before. No, no, we didn't. We. Uh... We talked a lot about, should we do this? Should we not do this? And then it was kind of like, okay, let's just try it. And uh, to be honest, I've never done that myself in any other companies as well, or I've never worked with companies bigger that have done that uh, even. But it was the right decision for us because trust was so important. If if I would have been just an e-com, I wouldn't have done it. Uh, But the fact that we appeared to be larger than we were that uh, at that stage it really helped us to build like the brand and, and for people to uh, have the courage to try us out yeah so what would you say so if you would recommend someone else to do it what are the factors when should you do it i'm guess you're saying trust of course trust is super uh, super important to do it before that and then and then i would say try it and be sure to measure it uh, we had it's super hard to measure uh, but we when we got acquisition we asked our customers like where did you see us or how did you get uh, hear of our brand uh, and then we saw that a lot of uh, people were coming in uh, from that and then with like uh, analytics you can also see uh, if you did it at a specific um, region you could see if that actually affected the people coming in from that region so it's super important to understand is this a good decision or not and then number two is the fact that uh, doing like a one-off one time is hard with branding activities you usually need to do it for a longer time period to actually see that it works off Uh, so have some have some patience yeah okay i can i can imagine that really but uh, now you're into something other very interesting that i've been reading up on a lot more lately that i haven't been focusing too much on 
in a long time. And this is the fact that in the world where everything is so data-driven, and I mean, we're working with measurements, so we try to measure everything. We try to measure where the user come from, where they've been before, if they visited the site before, if they have downloaded the app and not activated it and so forth. But what you're into now is you're into hidden ways of convert where you can't really track the original source. Uh, And this is happening uh, much more in social as well. I guess they are calling it dark social and it's also happening uh, during the fact with you guys because you have a lot of like people recommending other their friends and stuff so how much do you focus on that like where did you come from and and how do you use that to like uh, facilitate growth uh, so we focus on it quite a lot uh, and have like a big analytics board to understand like where are people coming from and then like the analytics part of it uh, the raw data and then also like what people are saying one thing that's also so good is all interactions we have with customers we try to measure like okay so where did you first hear about us it's interesting to understand and i call that qualitative data instead of quantitative data to actually like those interactions understand where they're coming from and then like referral and word of mouth is super important that's your like organic growth it's easy to like easy and easy but like uh, paid marketing uh, you can like pay forever but then it it becomes competitive and then prices go up and whatnot so actually getting like your customers to recommend you is very important that's also why it's very important that they in the early stage like the activation phase feel that we give them value and that they are happy Uh, so one of the things like when we talk to customers is if you don't feel like safe from the start the whole point of having an insurance is that you should feel safe so you if you don't feel safe with us go with someone else Uh, so those like two one to two weeks uh, of the user journey is super important because if they feel like they um, like the app, uh, they like the interactions with us, then they will go on and recommend us. So every touch point with the customer is super important. Interesting. You're now almost speaking on MPS. Yeah. Uh, do you measure that as well? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Okay. So, so okay, you might not want to share this as well, but I can help, can't help to ask. How many of your users are like, uh, what is it? Uh, the promoters? Oh, uh, yeah, I can't. Uh, <laughs> you can't share? Yeah, I can't share. <laughs> okay, well, a girl's got to ask. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, but this is very interesting. Do you do anything where you try to combine this, like, uh, ask then the referral or a friend said something with the more paid statistics or measurable data and see relationships there? So what we do with our referral is that we have a give-get uh, referral campaign uh, in our app. So if you recommend to your friend, uh, you will get, uh, give a discount, uh, get the discount and you will be able to give your friend a discount, the normal give-get model. Yeah. So in that terms, it's almost it's paid, but it's also... Uh, much better than paid um, yeah. because it's more qualitative. Interesting. Okay, I'm just going to ask this because you seem very data-driven. Do you ever have an attribution problem in that? Uh, yes, uh, we had. We used to have, but now it's fixed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thankfully, we have a great CTO that helps a lot with those kind of things where the attribution here and there and, and all the back-end data, uh, he fixed that. So that's super grateful for that okay so uh can you share a bit more what was the issue and and how is that fixed Uh, basically i think what i'm asking is it only last click now or is it regardless so uh 
we see everything from first to last click um, so we can actually like look at that individually but then uh, obviously when we measure it uh, we have like last or first click that we look at so it's unified so we get the one data point on everything um, but uh, we have gone from like first to last and that stuff uh, I don't think like we're done there but the other problem has been like uh, discount codes uh, which discount code did they use or did they use uh, like referrals um, and that discount code and didn't manage to get it uh, activated where there's been a bug or stuff like that. Uh, but basically it's been like first and last click and which one should you use and then also get um, the discount code has been like, okay, no, I use the one for uh, more animals instead of the referral code and Mm. So those kind of things has yeah, also been. Yeah. Okay, but with the get and uh, give and get, or what did you call yeah, it? Yeah, um, Do you measure only last click then or first click or doesn't it matter? Like no, as long as... The, then it matters if they've used the discount code or not. Ah, okay, got it. Interesting. But it's it's quite few companies at your stage, meaning you haven't been live for even a year and, and the acquisition is already working. So you can focus on other stuff. Like if we go back in time a bit, what would you say the keys to success were? So which actually allowed you to be in a place now that you can focus on retention and, and uh, activation? I would say that we put quite a lot of time into making sure that the customers felt uh, heard uh, and uh, that we were there uh, like that it was real and it wasn't just like an app and everything was robotic and all that stuff uh, we made sure that we had like less than one minute of answer time in our chat and we are available from 8 in the morning to 10 p.m at night every day uh, I think that made a difference I also th- think that the thing that made a difference with uh, with our app was the fact that everyone uh, really liked the concept of the preventive uh, thing. We have something there that the market is uh, really, they've been wanting for such a long time, except not only doing like an app for the sake of an app, we had something there that was relevant to our customers. But then also like we uh, didn't slow down uh, with the, like the, the marketing campaigns uh, or the branding campaigns that you talked about earlier is that we we were bold we wanted to try out stuff and we didn't um we didn't settle for less than like exponential growth um and that's something that i think uh every consumer brand can learn from you need to actually spend and you need to be creative of how how you do in it's not just okay uh, i'll launch something and then it will automatically uh, be like hit you need to make sure that people know that you are out there um, and not wait for people to find you yeah so so really what I hear is two things first of all it's, it's a bit product-led growth the fact that you have something that is unique that the market wants like uh, there is a lot of attraction in what you do and that is both the offering and the support uh, and then it's uh, really being super bold in getting that message out. Yeah. Wow. And trying to be different from everyone else. Like uh, we are the underdogs. Uh, but with that said, we're not the under- underdogs just to be the underdogs. We are the underdogs because we want uh, healthier animals. And we look at it for uh, from a bigger picture point of view. And we don't settle with anything less than like customer delight uh, a thousand percent. Yeah. 
I like that. In the beginning, you spoke a bit about the fact that it is an app and um, uh, you said that it's not just an app as a way to kind of digitize. Uh, it's an app because it uh, can kind of promote uh, certain behavior and so forth. Was it always obvious that it should be an app? Well, the thing with behavior change is that the app really helps with that uh, because it's easier. It's at your fingertips. It's in your pockets. So that helps quite a lot. Uh, that the fact that it is an app and it's not only like use it when you have an injury you you have to use it for if you should have an app do it when it's more that you should use it more than like once every year or something like that then it's relevant for you to have an app if there's if there's a continuous reoccurring behavior that you want to change and i would say if you want to change behavior then you need to have an app because that's like with push notification and all that stuff and having it available in that sense the app makes sense yeah but you have competition <laughs> exactly and that's the other question on that because like a lot of the apps i have i've never used and i have like these days where i just clean out my phone and delete everything that i've installed for the last three months that i've never got started with and in my head i haven't worked that much with what you are doing but in my head it's about getting people started so from the time when yeah. they download it to actually getting that consistency the first few days or weeks and mm. then you're kind of stuck with you guys so yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so how do you work with that period and that um so that's the activation phase so and one thing is really like getting people to understand aha what is this i understand what i can get from this app and then wow i really love this uh, and those moments in the beginning of the app is super important and understanding to get that right and I think uh, our wow moment is maybe when you get your first points and uh, be able to redeem that for a, a discount on your uh, insurance. And then the aha moment is when you find an article and you read something that you didn't know before or you look at a video where someone helps you of how do you actually uh, cut claws or how do you actually brush the teeth of your dog or cat. So like getting that information is uh, usually where people say it's uh, you can read reviews where it's like I've had dogs for like 15 years, but I didn't know this. And this is super inf informative. So those kind of things that people actually appreciate our content. Yeah, nice. But but I think that still, even though the content is great and those opportunities are uh, interesting, it feels uh, still hard with the timing because, I mean, many times you're like, Okay, so I'm on, on the subway and I see your ad and I just download it and I don't even open the app because I plan to do it later. Yeah. Or um, I get this uh, new uh, cat, but I also have two kids and, uh, you know, I, I want to do this, but I don't really have time. Like, how do you really get into people's heads? So in that sense, it it is really about the timing. It's, are you actually, like, looking for this at the time and all the stuff? Uh, so... If you're not in the mindset then, but you've downloaded the app, uh, we have help with like push notifications and also like that it's trigger based and we also support with email. Uh, for example, if you downloaded the app but haven't added an animal or if you added an animal, like be relevant in other uh, timing sessions. And that's something that I've really learned from, from other startups that I've worked with is, is the fact that when you... Or one of the most interesting stuff that I understood is a lot of people download apps or go into a website but they have and, and sign up, but they have no idea what they sign up for. <laughs> uh, and you need to like tell them not once, not twice, like 
five times what is this and why why are you relevant or why are we as a company relevant or an app for you uh, so don't just think that they know what it is because it says on your headline you need to repeat that like five times in different settings in the app or on your website or uh, whatever and then also like outside of that yeah so repetition 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 yeah yeah i like that all right so so unless there is uh there isn't something i haven't asked you about relating to this that i should have asked you about then i want to move on to like your investments and stuff but is there something i should have asked about uh maybe why i'm doing this why are you doing this (laughs) (laughs) no because sometimes even myself this is my fourth startup i've done this for a decade uh uh, and uh, I thought that the last uh, time was the last time, I uh, my last startup, that I would do it. And then um, I've learned quite a lot from like when I enter a startup. Like my first startup, I did it because I uh, believed in the product. Uh, my second startup, I did because I believed in the team and the product. And my third startup, I did because I believed in the team in, and in the product. And I also... Uh, saw myself like uh, failing with the team in that sense like failing with the team I'm best friends with some of those people Uh, and I was never like there was never any angry um, we were not angry at each other when we uh, I wouldn't say we failed uh, but it was still a company that we didn't pursue uh, later on but uh, it was something that I'm a journey I'm very proud of and that in that third startup, I went into the mentality like, which people would I be okay with failing with? And that was something that I didn't do like my first and second time. Uh, and that's something that I do like today. And when I met Lassie and the founders, uh, I was like, uh, no, I'm done with this. Um, I'm doing something myself. But then uh, the passion behind the product, the, the product ex- itself and doing something that's more than just getting people to buy more clothes or whatever, consume more, actually helping the world. And then the founders being so uh, unique in their sense that it was three founders and everyone was different. It was not uh, three uh, students from business school and everyone had the same like uh, background. It was three very different people with very different backgrounds. And I had like looking at f- from an angel investor, uh, investor perspective, I very seldom see that. So it was like the founders team that, and the product that made me like, okay, this is... This is an opportunity I really want to be in uh, to be able to change the lives of of the pets and also with changing that, uh, changing people's lives to be better. But really believing in the team and not just doing it for the sake of it, because the only thing you know when joining a startup is that it's going to be hard. And I think that's like having been in the industry for quite a while, uh, when I started, it wasn't as like cool to join a startup uh, as it is now when starting a startup. Uh, now people think when they join startups that it's like ping pong and you drink beers <laughs> and uh, it's like fun. Uh, yeah, it is also, but it's a lot of hard work. And the only thing you know to be true is that your life will become a sinus curve. Uh, ups and downs. Uh, <laughs> and it will those. be extremes. Um, and you have to be with the right people to do it. Uh, and I think that the co-founders of Lassie are so uh, great that I... It's, it wasn't third times the last time, it's fourth time is the last time. 
I'm like, I might challenge you on that one in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see if I have to take that back. <laughs> but but I, I love that list in the beginning. First, it was the product and then it was the product and the team. Um, what I hear when you say that this time it's the product, it's the team, it's the fact that you would be okay to fail with the team. But it's also that this time you have a why. Yeah, exactly. Did you have that the first times because you didn't mention? Um, yes and no, but not... Uh, I was much younger, so I thought maybe that I had the why. Uh, mm. And this time, I have, I'm not as naive, uh, which is good as ba- and bad. Um, but I have thought a lot more about the why uh, than I did before. Yeah. I can imagine that. Um, but you're also now touching on the fact that you have started doing your own uh, angel investments. Yes. So how did that uh, start? Like, when did you invest in your first one and... Uh, Tell me a bit. Uh, so how it started was it wasn't um, it wasn't that I had saved up money. I did a small exit in one of my companies that I uh, started working with, and then it started off being like, okay, to be like frank, uh, money and capital is the way to change things, uh, and I wanted to. Uh, I've had wanted to put in money in a lot of startups before. Uh, but I saw that like a lot of women specifically uh, didn't get that early stage uh, funding. And I saw a few of them that I really wanted to get on board with. I don't have like an industry. So I invest in health tech or whatever. I have more of a, I invest in teams uh, basically because that's what you can do in the, when you're an angel investor with not that much money. So you have to invest like early, early stage, like even when there's no product there. I invest in the people. And in that sense also like, are they passionate about this? Passionate enough? And do would they do like everything for this? And also is this a problem that I think will help uh, the world uh, more? So that's basically how I do my investments. Interesting. So how many have you done by now? Um, by my own uh, and not in a syndicate, then I've done three, four. Okay. And when you mean by your own, because that's interesting, do you mean only you or was it like you and a few other people at the same time, just that you weren't really related to each other? Uh, no, I mean uh, only me. Then I mean uh, me, myself and not me part of a syndicate. So uh, you can also go in. I have done more investments, but that's together with with friends that we've gone in like as a not as a company, but as a syndicate. So it's uh, I've gone in with smaller tickets. I don't count them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I don't count tickets below like 200 or 25,000 euros. Yeah. But I've gone in with less, but then with friends and we are like a unit. Uh, and the ones that I've gone in myself is I've gone in as myself in my own company and with others, of course. So there's been like more. But uh, in terms of like syndicates, it's uh, it, the tickets has been less uh, for me, meaning less risk yeah okay cool yeah um the reason why i'm asking is i've also done a few uh, angel investments but my rules have been that uh, i only go in with some when someone who are more of a legal person or like um, uh, someone who, who makes sure that all the paperwork and everything like yeah. that is is all right because that one i don't know how to do i, I don't want to know everything <laughs> i just trust people on that one and then of course the the team and uh, uh, the idea those are also my uh, like reason and that's why i'm asking because i'm when you said on your own i'm like you do that too that's so cool (laughs) no no no, i don't go in as a single investor no 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 uh no i have no 
<laughs> Someone else needs to vouch as well um, for it. Yeah, I haven't gone in myself. Have you been the one um, pulling for an investment one sometime? Like? I've been the anchor. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And and uh, how how has that that differed when you have gone in? Like what what would it require to get you as an anchor? Right now, since I d- don't have that much time to do my angel investor uh, investments, it would require like passion and believe in uh, in their idea and like seeing that they have a complete uh, founding team. Uh, one thing is like that I see uh, a lot is people start off with one person uh, or maybe two and those two people have the same background. I want to see a diversity in founders. Uh, there needs to be like the team needs to have different uh, competences. Yeah, it would really require me to believe in the team. Yeah. Uh, and then I would uh, be f- happy to do intros and be the anchor investment. Yeah, nice. Uh, and with the team, and when you say the diversity, then um, just guessing now that it's probably a bit, even though you uh, invest in different industries, I guess there is maybe tech involved in all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I would assume that maybe one is like business, one in is technical, and then the third one is like specific to the solution they are solving. Or yeah, is that yeah, that would be the about? perfect uh, ones. Yeah. Um, but usually, like what I see is that you try to build something technical, and that you don't have a technical co-founder. That's uh, I won't do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's usually where I say come back uh, when you have a technical co-founder or when you have someone uh, that actually have, as you said, like the the knowledge uh, in the space that you don't. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Uh, I will ask you once again, is there anything I should have asked you about that I didn't ask you about? No, I don't think so. <laughs> awesome. It's been great having you here. I'm so excited. I've learned so much. So thank you, Donna. I look forward to meeting you sometime in the future. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening in to our podcast, Winning in the Nordics, presented by AppsFlyer. You know where to find us. Subscribe and leave us a review on Apple, Google, Spotify and all good podcast apps.